0: All right. Uh, a lot to talk about today with our guests that we're bringing on board, starting with the uh, show regular, Andrew Sullivan, founder of Asian Market Sense. Hello, Andrew. Good morning. Good morning. We've also got with us James Outis, who's a senior investment advisor, and Partners. Uh, second time on the show, but first time with me. Good morning, James. Good morning, guys. Hey. All right. Good to have you on. Uh, let's kick it off. Gentlemen, uh, a lot happened on Friday, a little bit over the weekend, uh, but I'm kind of curious about your take on the, the Berkshire Hathaway uh, meetings. Uh, Andrew, did you get a chance to watch that?
1: I didn't watch it, but I read a couple of the reports on it, and uh, yeah, they're, they're very cautious. I mean, they're, they're still saying that uh, investors don't need to you know heavily diversify. They just need to find good stocks, and I think that's probably good advice.
0: All right, and uh, I mean, were you were you in line with some of his big takeaways on on uh, you know where the Fed was headed, the dominance of the U.S. dollar, you well, know, I, regional I banking?
1: O- I mean, I think overall, I mean, it, it's quite interesting. I mean, he, he's saying that he's unwinding some of his Asian. Um, uh, investments because he's worried about U.S.-China relationships, which, which is a reasonable you know, perspective to take. But I think there are still good opportunities in some of the big tech names out here. Yeah. He, he underlined his, uh, you know, his enthusiasm for Japan and said that he preferred those over other Asian markets. So, again, I think you'll find more investors looking back at the Japanese market.
0: Okay. Uh, James, uh, did you get a chance to take some of that in and pick out some of the highlights that struck you?
2: I have not, but it's interesting because I actually use uh, Warren Buffett as one of my quotes this morning when I sent out my daily where he says you can't produce a baby in one month by getting nine women pregnant, which uh, speaks to what Andrew had just mentioned about, you know, the concentration of his securities and he's, you know, more than happy to be
0: positioned that way. Mm. All right. Um so I mean he's he's predicting lower earnings uh as everybody's you know kind of uh, talking down the US economy lately predicting a recession later there are, do either of you still see value in in the US stock market either in on mass or in particular One sectors great <laughs>
1: I think one of the things he was saying was the fact that the valuations are looking stretched at the moment uh, relative to elsewhere in the world. And again, if the US dollar is going to weaken, that's going to give further FX concerns to overseas investors. But that said, I mean, rising interest rates are going to put margins under pressure in the US. And so looking elsewhere is something that investors should certainly be doing
0: okay and uh what's your what's your in terms of looking elsewhere what's your top pick for looking elsewhere
1: well i yeah obviously here in asia i prefer asia and uh, and i still think some of the uh, the tech hardware names are going to be very important especially from the ai's perspective and and in spite of the fact of him uh, unwinding tsmc i think the fact is that those sort of names tsmc samsung they're going to be very important going forward
0: Okay and I mean are, are you I mean I don't see that there's been a big wave of enthusiasm about Japanese companies following in his wake it's been a It's been a little while now since he made those investments um, do, do you I mean he seems really bullish on Japan, but it doesn't seem like the rest of the markets' followed
1: Well, I think the trading companies, which were the ones he first went into, you know they moved already, so it's difficult to see you know great value there but certainly a number of the Japanese brokers have been coming out with similar or buffet like Type stocks. Um, but I think there's still caution. You know, the BOE head has just changed. We haven't seen a real change in policy yet. They're going to undertake a review. And I think a lot of investors are probably waiting to actually see a real move, whereas Buffett is prepared to take a much longer term view. And he's happy that it's moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah. What about you, uh, James? I mean, what's your take on that? Is it is it if keen on Japan or if not, other?
2: Well, you know, Japan's a, a weird one in terms of trades trade that historically or comparatively very low multiples, uh, you know, but it's it, at the moment, you know, on a, on a trailing per e for it to be 22 odd times, it's, it's a little bit exy, but it's actually done pretty well year to date in terms of being, you know, up the better part of 10%. So, you know, it's equaling the US indices, certainly the S&P 500, but, you know, probably lagging the, the
0: NASDAQ, but yeah, and I'm more than happy to own Japanese stocks. Okay, and I am going to give you a chance, James. I know you're down and uh, you're down under. I'm going to give you a chance to talk up the Australian market a little bit. Are you are you keen on what's happening in Australia right now? I mean, uh, you know, we've had the uh, the federal the the Reserve Bank there bumped up interest rates a little bit, but I mean, what's your what's your take on the Australian market? Yeah, the
2: Australian market's trudging along, but, you know, in terms of where we are year-to-date compared to uh, other major indices worldwide, and if you're going to include Australia in that basket, you know, we're certainly lagging, only being up a better part of 3.5%. So, you know, we've got a little bit of catch-up to do, but I think uh, this week, uh, most, most watch will be, uh, economic-wise, will be the re- release of the, um, uh, the federal budget, and that's tomorrow night. So you know, oh. that's something that Aussies will be watching pretty closely.
0: And what are they going to be looking for?
2: Well, you know, a broad economic stimulus, and you know, seeing, seeing how they're going in terms of uh, trying to at least uh, bring a, a, a budget uh, deficit back into into um, the realms of possibility where we can, you know, pay it back. So Australia's indebtedness is flying through the roof at the moment, and uh, you know, that's going to be a concern. And people are going to watch that closely.
0: Okay, but I mean, you've got you've got kind of a left-wing. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got a, a party from the left, the, the left wing of the political spectrum. Are they uh, not keener on spending, or are they taking budget budgetary issues seriously?
2: I think, I think they're very keen on spending, but the, the uh, Labor government keeps on you know, saying that they've inherited the mess from the, from the Liberal Party, but you know, in Australia, the left so far right and the right so far left, it's, it's, there, there isn't really you know, much of a swing that way. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure that markets are overly concerned with Labor being in at the
0: moment. Okay. Uh, guys, I do want to touch on gold a little bit uh, today. I know Australia is a big, like Canada, a big mining country uh, for, for gold. Is that, is that a sector, uh, James, that you see a lot of action happening? Is that going to be good for Australia?
2: Well, we certainly seem to be, obviously, our biggest miner, he a you know, under takeover from Newmont being Newcrest, which was a spin-off out of uh, the original. But, it, you know, once those kind of deals go through, we're starting to see a bit of corporate activity potentially in the in the smaller... Smaller gold guys, but you know, gold pushing the level that it's at it, it, on um, Friday hits its highest level ever in history in uh, Aussie dollar terms, and it's a little bit below in USD terms. But with the Aussie surging a little bit over the weekend and uh, into today, it's sixty-seven and a half odd. That's putting a little bit of pressure on those guys. But I think longer term, uh, we're going to see the gold miners actually reflect because in, on a fundamental basis, they look very inexpensive.
0: Gotcha. I mean, and Andrew, uh, what, what else do you think is driving demand for gold? You know, driving it towards those
1: highs. Well, it was interesting that you know China's increased its uh, gold holdings, and and a number of countries that have seen the U.S. dollar weaponized uh, in its res- in their reserves have also been moving to gold. So there is a there is a change taking place there. I um, the weekend the press was mentioning about uh, uh, retail buyers in China also uh, putting more money into golders, and I think that probably reflects their uncertainty about the recover, the ability of the government to bail out local authorities, and the the overhang in the property market market and the banking sector. So, there's there's certainly a move, of a cautious move. And obviously, you know, uh, uh, if retail investors are doing that and some institutional investors are doing that, they're not so convinced about the Fed policy at the moment.
0: Mm, okay. And are you concerned about the Fed policy at the moment? I mean, it, you know, everybody's thinking, oh, maybe they've, uh, everybody seemed to be thinking, oh, they're going to hit their, their 0.25, which they did, and then either hold the line or start to come back. But I mean, we got jobs data on Friday. And I mean, the U.S., Economy still so looks like it's on fire. I mean, uh, Dow Jones analysts were expecting 180,000 jobs. They got what, 253,000? I mean, they, they blew the doors off it.
1: Yeah, I think the real thing is, I mean, ever since I've been in the broking industry, people have always said, don't fight the Fed. And yet for the the last six to nine months, you know, the, the street has been telling the Fed that it's got the information wrong. Um, I don't think it has. I think we should believe the Fed when it says it's going to keep rates higher for longer. It, it is really more concerned about inflation getting out of the box than it is about the US going into a mild recession. So... I very much doubt they're going to cut rates any time soon. I think they possibly might have to hike them again. They've left the door open for that, but certainly they're going to keep rates higher for longer.
0: I mean, do you think that thinking has shifted over the past four or five days on that? Because everyone was thinking, you know, uh, 0.25 and hold. I mean, nobody was talking about going beyond that. But I, I, uh, you know, it seems like the conversation has shifted in the last 48 hours to say, yeah, maybe they will crank it up a little more.
1: Well, I think, you know, I think last week's RBA decision really showed the market that although, you know, what it thinks central banks should do isn't necessarily the case and the rba took a very strong line lagarde was the same she was saying look we're not pausing we do need to keep inflation under control and the expectation is that this week the bank of england will do much the same so central banks certainly think this is their biggest concern
0: Hmm. i mean james you you know the rba uh, europe uh possibly the UK all raising, but I mean, banks like Canada and Korea are are saying, no, we're done. I mean, what's the view from where you are?
2: Well, uh, one thing I know for sure is I polled a few of the guys on the desks around uh, just before the RBA released uh, last Tuesday at 2.30, and and the the consensus of people, by and large, was that they would be on hold, and uh, they took us all by surprise, and we could see that, and the Aussie dollar just ripped to the upside, and the equities markets got smoked. Uh, it's it's interesting that the RBA doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, they've been brought to task in terms of their communication abilities with the markets, and they certainly caught us all on the back foot with that one. But one of the things with rates is, uh, you know, we're seeing in the, in the market, you know, the uh, Aussie uh, 10 years that did peak at 4.2 last June, June are down at 3.3% at the moment, and even the US Fed, the, with, with them raising rates, the US 10-year uh, yields have gone from, you know, 424 basis points in October, and, you they're at 344 basis points right now, so the markets are moving rates down, even with the central banks
0: moving the other way. Hmm. And are you are you looking at what's happening in Europe right now? I mean, it's uh, I mean, Europe, are, the ECB, you know, bigger market, bigger player. Uh, are you concerned about the impact they're going to have if they keep hiking rates? Oh,
2: I mean, I, I think it's going to be a similar situation to the US, uh, as Andrew says. You know. Uh, um, Rule in the markets is you don't try and fight the Fed. And same with it. You don't try and fight the ECB. But to an extent, you know, markets have more forward pricing mechanisms and it seems like the central banks have been pretty late in trying to curb inflation. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, at the same time we're going to see market rates come down with the central banks continuing to ratchet up rates. But hopefully they don't uh, bring us all to a, a crash
0: landing. Okay and uh, I mean do either of you find that the continued uh strength of the US economy uh, uh like do you find do you find it surprising or vexing or confusing or is it you know, are these just lagging indicators that you know will you know eventually this will all fall apart
1: like everybody says it will I mean Andrew I don't think there's a surprise there I think the thing is that uh, technology has really changed the game and and valuing the US markets on historic basis is is just not not right anymore you know we were, we used to sort of depreciate you know machinery and plant but you know companies like apple uh, a Meta don't have machinery in plants. So, you know, we've got to reappraise our view of, of how we value some of these companies. But they are seeing margins being squeezed. As interest rates go up, that's going to happen. And it's also going to squeeze the consumer's ability to pay. So, you know, th- there are concerns out there. And, and certainly, you know, the US market's had a very good run. And, and, and hence, people are starting to worry about it being over, overvalued. But the other big problem is where else in the world do you go? Where do you go? Well, I mean, historically, we've looked at China, but that has got tensions now with the U.S. I think a lot of the, you know, as I was saying earlier, Japan, Korea. Um, I think a lot of people are looking at the Indian market, which had been off the radar for a long time. But with uh, them changing the employment laws and uh, Apple moving in there, that's going to come on people's radars.
0: I mean, a- Apple reported uh, their the highest growth uh... The, the biggest growth they've ever had in India, admittedly from a very small base and a very small part of their business. Uh, but lots of good news there. But I mean, if, if if things are looking down, I mean, if you were in the position where you said, OK, now's the time to pull out and or start short selling oh, everything, you'd probably, I mean, I think people would be oh, quite hesitant to do that. You'd be missing out on a lot of upside or even getting yourself in trouble. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, as Charlie Mungford said, uh, you know, stay stay with your good ideas. Don't necessarily look to 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 short the whole market just because people are worried. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a matter of being far more focused. And I think I think you're going to see people. You know, we we've been saying since interest rates have go, keep start going up, people have got to be more stock specific rather than maybe index specific, because different companies are geared differently. They have different pricing abilities and they have different abilities to squeeze the margins. Apple is very good at squeezing its suppliers and and maintaining its margins. It's also moving out of hardware and selling services where there's a much better profit. So you've got to look at individual companies on a closer basis, I think.
0: All right. uh, We've got 40 seconds left. I know looking at individual companies, uh, Chinese property developers, Andrew, I know you've got something to say on that before we close out the show.
1: Well, just the private ones are in a lot of trouble, and we're waiting to see whether the government can bail them out or whether it can use the SOE banks and uh, property companies to do that. But until you get that, I think the confidence in the Chinese market is going to remain fragile.
0: Okay, uh, we got 20 seconds left. James Outis, uh, last word on uh, things to watch for this week. Yeah, well,
2: obviously, we've got some inflation data coming out of the U.S., and that's going to be uh, very key to uh, how the market takes, uh, takes things on a sentiment basis. So, you know, that, that'll be the thing that we'll be watching over that way.
0: All right. Well, that's uh, that's a great, strong finish. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Great way to start the week with the two of you. That's Andrew Sullivan, the founder, Asian Market Sense, and James Outis, senior investment advisor, Shaw & Partners, first time on.